Chapter 16, Part 1, from the sermon series, The Gospel of John, spoken by Pastor Peter on. Our theme for this year is uh, summed up in, one, in two words, Holy Spirit. We're celebrating our 23rd anniversary, and our hope for this year is that our church, that you would really hunger and have a deeper longing for the Holy Spirit in your life. I pray that for my children every day, that they would have a deeper longing for the Holy Spirit, because if the Holy Spirit plays a macro, not a micro role in your life, it will transform you. It will completely transform you. How do I know that? Because in John chapter 14 through 16, Jesus spends significant time talking about the Holy Spirit, teaching about the Holy Spirit to his disciples. He does that because he knows that if the disciples have the Holy Spirit, their lives will be transformed, but they also will be able to carry out the mission that he's given to them, which is to birth the Christian faith. And so what Jesus is going to do for us in the passage that we're going to look at, because two weeks ago when I preached, we looked at John chapter 14, and Jesus shares with us what he hoped the Holy Spirit, what role the Holy Spirit would play in your life and my life. But today, Jesus is going to teach us what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. What the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. It is integral that you and I know what purpose is something. We have to know the purpose of something, whether we determine whether it's something you and I should pursue or not. If we don't know the purpose of something, then we don't really want to pursue it. I mean, right now, we're in the throes of the NFL playoffs. I don't know if you know that. If you're into sports, it is exciting. NFL playoffs, nothing like it. Honestly, there isn't. And we're watching this. The ratings are the highest. You know, the Super Bowl is the highest rating in our country every single year. But why are we so addicted or why are we so into NFL? Why are we into professional sports? Because we know the purpose of it. The purpose of every sport is to win a championship. Could you just imagine the NFL? They only play 17 games, and after the 17th game, everyone shook hands and said, great year. None of us would watch it. None of us want to watch it because that's not entertaining. It's entertaining is because we know the purpose, and the purpose is to win a championship. And that's why we watch it. Because we say it's worth our time. It's worth our energy. All of you can't wait to go home and watch the game, the two games today. Because we know the purpose. When you know the purpose of something, you can make a decision of whether you should put a lot of passion and time into it. One of the best books that was ever written in terms of how many copies is sold is a book called Purpose Driven Life. It was written by Dr. Rick Warren. I don't know if you know this book. I'm sure you have if you've been a Christian for a while. This book has been in publication for decades. The book has now been retitled since. It's called What on Earth Am I Here For? But in this book, it sold 50 million copies. I mean, just wrap your mind around that. You know in Christian publishing, if you sell 5,000 copies, they're so happy. If you sell 10,000 copies, your publisher will do cartwheels. All right? 50 million copies. Why? Because people want to know their purpose. They're longing to do it. People are struggling to find any type of meaning in their life because they're wandering aimlessly into this world. They don't know their purpose. And so as a result of it, a book like that has touched the cord with people here in America because we are longing to find purpose. Otherwise, for a lot of us, we realize how monotonous, how hard life is, how it's like existing but not really living when you don't know your purpose in life. Right? And I believe one of the main reasons why today 
you and I don't really pursue the Holy Spirit. We don't really desire it. We see the Holy Spirit as an option. It's because we don't know the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And until we learn the purpose of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to be convinced that this should be not a, not a micro part of your life, that it shouldn't be optional, but that it should be part of every day of your life. It should play a significant role in your life and in my life. So what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Jesus is going to share with us what that is. In John chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 26 and 27, and John 16, verses 7 through 15. All right, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Chapter 15, verse 26. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Now let's jump over to chapter 16, verse 7. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He won't only speak on his own, he, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And this is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Lord, this was the last time you were physically with your disciples. And yet you spend so much time teaching them about the Holy Spirit. It was so important to you. And so, Lord, today, would you teach us why it should be important to us? Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would never be an option in our lives. May it become life to us. So, God, um, I, don't, I have no clue where everyone was this week, but you do. You know the kind of lives we live this week. For some, it was incredibly victorious, and it was awesome. For some, it was just, eh, same old, same old. And then for some, it was incredibly difficult and hard. And so, Lord, would you just teach us the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Because if we know that, I really do believe it will transform every aspect of our lives. Thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you, God, that if we take it seriously, it has every, every opportunity to transform our lives. And so, Lord, right now, I ask you, that you would do that right now for us. That as we unpack this text, that you would indeed transform our lives. So I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, I pray, God, it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a third person in the Godhead. You know that. It's part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actually the very presence of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, I know there are moments in our life where we actually long to encounter the presence of Jesus. I hope you long to encounter the presence of Jesus. You, you and I cannot encounter the presence of Jesus unless we have the Holy Spirit, unless we give the Holy Spirit greater authority over our lives to do that. Now, when you and I become a Christian, what happens in the spiritual and the cosmic realm is that the Holy Spirit, because we said yes to Jesus Christ, he actually comes and resides in our heart. 
He lives inside of us. The proof text of that is found in 1 John 4, 13. Here's what it says. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. When you and I say yes to Jesus Christ, that is proof. The spirit will come inside of our hearts and it will be proof that we live in him and he lives in us. And what that means is that the spirit resides in our heart. But just because the spirit resides in your heart, in my heart, it doesn't mean that it's actually working. It doesn't mean that there's actually power that's coming from it. The spirit, while it may live inside your heart, will oftentimes lay dormant in your life and in my life if we don't know its purpose. And that's why Jesus Christ is, is, is defining what the purpose is of the Holy Spirit in this passage. And so he uses this word advocate to describe the Holy Spirit. And that's a good word. And I've talked to you about this a couple of weeks ago. Advocate in the Greek is called parakletos. And what that literally means is called alongside. But really in ancient times, what that is, is like you and I hiring an attorney, a lawyer, and that lawyer would give us counsel about how to deal with legal matters, but they will also speak on our behalf when we go to court. When you hire a lawyer and they say, you're on your own, I'll just tell you some advice. I'm not going to speak in front of a judge in a court of law. That is not a good lawyer, all right? So a spirit, the Holy Spirit is your spiritual attorney. He's here to give you counsel. In fact, we're going to learn here that he's actually going to help you to speak in ways that you never thought you could even do. He's going to do that. But also what it says is this, that when you and I are struggling to speak to God, when we are struggling to pray, what does it say in Romans? It says the Holy Spirit will pray for you with groans that cannot be expressed in words. Amen? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And so the Holy Spirit is not an option. It's life. And a lot of us have said no to it for so long in our own lives. It's like, yeah, it's here, but, you know, it's... It's okay. can never be an option. And here's the thing. Like God wants the Holy Spirit to be so intimately a part of your life, not so that your lives can just be blessed. This is the problem with American Christianity. We often pursue God just for the hopes that he's going to bless our lives. Your Christian life has to be so much bigger than that. Because God is never going to bless your life until you have a desire to want to be a blessing to the world. And we cannot be a blessing to the world unless we have the Holy Spirit. And so what Jesus does here is that he gives us an outline of what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. He gives us three things and teaches us what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. The first thing he teaches us is this. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to guide Christians to testify about Jesus. It's to guide Christians to testify about Jesus. Can you turn with me to uh, chapter 15, verses 26 to 27? But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. When the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus, when you look at this passage and it says that the Holy Spirit testified Jesus and then Jesus says, you got to testify about me. They're not two separate witnesses. They're not two separate testimonies. They're one. They're one. See, the Holy Spirit's invisible to the world. They don't know where the Holy Spirit is. And the only way the Holy Spirit can, to, can testify about who Jesus is is actually when you and I are convinced that we are part of this because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And so when we testify about Jesus, the Holy Spirit is testifying about Jesus. Amen? So that should take a lot of pressure off for you. Because so many times we're like, I don't know if I want to testify about Jesus. I'm, what am I going to say? I don't know if I know enough things. I don't know enough things about the Bible in order for us, in order for me to do this. But it's not about that. 
You see, the Holy Spirit will help you. And one of the purposes of why Jesus Christ gave you the Holy Spirit is so that you can testify about him. So you can begin to have that desire and that passion to testify him. In fact, that's a good barometer. It really is. How do you know if the Holy Spirit is really in your life today? How do you know if the Holy Spirit is fully active and powerful in your life? Ask yourself this question. Do you hunger and hurt for the lost today? Do you hunger and hurt for those who don't know Jesus Christ, those people at your jobs, those people in your family, your friends who don't know? Does your heart hurt for them? And do you long for them to know Jesus Christ? If you're honest, that'll determine whether you have the Holy Spirit fully active in your life or not. You see, Jesus knew that the disciples are not going to be able to carry out the Christian faith without the Holy Spirit. And it really is true because when you read the, the ensuing chapters, you'll see that when Jesus is crucified on the cross, right, what happens? Are the disciples testifying about Jesus? No, they're running. They're in hiding. They're so scared. They're not testifying about Jesus. So I hope you realize that even the disciples struggled with that, right? They even struggled with that. So that's okay because you and I can struggle with it as well. But what happens once Jesus Christ resurrects from the dead? What happens when the Holy Spirit falls upon the disciples in Acts chapter 1 and they're baptized by the Holy Spirit? All they can do is testify about Jesus Christ, right? So much so that as they do that, the Spirit is so heavy upon them that thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ. So much so that the Sanhedrin council was not happy about what was happening because when you start leading thousands to Jesus Christ away from the Jewish faith, that's not going to make the people in power very happy. So what do they do? They arrested them, they beat them up, they imprisoned them, and they said, we'll let you go, but you better never speak about Jesus again. And what does Peter say? We'll never do that because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Like, do what you want to us, but we will never, ever Stop testifying about Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, the purpose of why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit is so that we can testify about Jesus, so that we can truly, truly testify about him, right, so that we can truly. And if we're not doing that, then the Holy Spirit needs to take greater precedence in your life and in my life. He will speak on your behalf, on my behalf. It's going to be beautiful. It really is. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? A couple suggestions that I have, all right? The first one is that uh, it's really important for you to learn the stories of people that don't know Jesus. It really is. Like, you need to sit down and just learn their story. Because when you look at John 4, remember that story with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman? Jesus knew her story. Well, now, he knew it not because he had to learn it. He knew it because he's God, all right? But you and I are not God. So we actually have to learn the stories of people that don't know Jesus Christ. Just like, can you just share your story with me? I'd love to know. And you'll find that as they share their stories, there's going to be some things that you can interconnect their story with your story. And then you're going to be able to share with them literally what the gospel message is about, who Jesus Christ is, right? So the first is learn their story. But then the second thing you do is this, share how Jesus, share your story of how Jesus has transformed your life. Share. Because if you share that, that's one of the most beautiful ways in how you testify about Jesus Christ. They will begin to be impacted by that. And I believe that it, it, it may be an opportunity for you to water the seed, plant the seed, or maybe harvest that seed. And what happened with that woman at the well once she gave her life to Jesus Christ? What did she do? 
Did she just stop? No, she went to her village. And what do you see in John chapter 4? She leads her entire village to Jesus Christ. All she did, she didn't know. She was not even a day old of being a Christian. And she leads her entire village to Jesus Christ. Why? Because her story was that powerful. You have no idea how powerful your story is. You have underestimated the power of your story of how Jesus has transformed your life. Would you let the Holy Spirit use that story to testify about who Jesus Christ is? The last thing is this. As, as you're struggling with this maybe, one of the things you can do is to invite people to the church, to this church. Think about that. I want you to think about inviting them to Easter on March 29th. We have Easter coming up on March 29th. We, rent out, we rented out the high school, so it's like three times the size of this space. We'll have enough room for all of your friends and family members to come. Think about who you might be inviting, and I promise you we will do the best we can to give a sermon that will be most appropriate for those who don't know Jesus. So you may not get much out of it, but it's okay. Sacrifice that. Let your friends and family hear the gospel message. Right? We've decided to partner with Sunita and do that again with her. So think about that. All right? Learn the stories of other people. Share your story of how Jesus Christ has transformed your life. Invite them to church. Those are three ways in how you can allow the Holy Spirit to use you to testify about Jesus Christ. It's so important that we do that. It really is. Um, I, have a, I have a podcast. It's called Week Pastor. I don't know if you know that. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I have a great time doing this podcast. Sue Huang, uh, she used to be on staff here at this church many years ago. Uh, she and I are good friends. And so we have this podcast called The Week Pastor. And every week we talk about different things. We, our tagline is looking at Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. But this past Monday's episode, one of the great things I get to do is I get to interview some guests. And I interviewed this woman by the name of Esther. Her and her husband, Sam. Sam is this Monday, tomorrow. His episode, and his is amazing too. But both of them are from the Middle East. And uh, they grew up in a very hostile territory where if the government found out that they were Christians, they would be killed. It's just that simple. I didn't know, but their country has a religious police force where their job is to try to find people who renounce their faith, their Islamic faith, to the Christian faith or other faith. And their job is to find these people or these cell groups, prosecute them, and they would put them to death. I mean, it's pretty scary stuff. All right? And when she shares her testimony about her giving her life to Jesus Christ, she knew that if her father found out, that she might get killed because that's not something that's abnormal in the culture where she's from. Father was a very strict man, deeply believed in the Islamic faith. He found out that he, she became a Christian years later and confronted her and said, you've got to renounce your faith right now because if you don't, I will kill you. And she turns to her father and says, Dad, if I renounce my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm already dead. So if you need to kill me, kill me. I mean, that's powerful. Father didn't do that. And then she goes and talks about the story. I'm not going to ruin it for you. But talking to her and her husband, you know what the amazing thing is? Believing in Jesus Christ and having the Holy Spirit in you, they just naturally believe that sharing their faith with other people who don't know Jesus is a part of their Christian faith. They don't see that as an option. They just see it as a natural part of being a Christian. And I said to them during the podcast, I said, you guys don't see this as an option. 
But the problem with a lot of us here in America is that we see this Holy Spirit as an option. We see this idea of sharing our faith with other people as an option, that we don't have to do it, but if we do it, it's okay, but we, maybe we should do it. But we don't see it as something that is actually mandated by God. Jesus Christ wouldn't have given you the Holy Spirit just so that you can keep it to yourself and that God can bless your life. He gave you the Holy Spirit. The purpose of why you and I have the Holy Spirit is so that we can testify about him. Amen? The reason why Jesus Christ gave you the Holy Spirit is so that you and I can testify about who this Jesus Christ is. Amen? Amen. To know that there's a God who loves you beyond measure and loves the people in your life that don't know Jesus beyond measure and to let them be, come in contact with that love. I hope today that as you begin to believe in the purpose of the Holy Spirit and one of the purpose is for you to testify about Jesus, that you will start to have a hunger for the lost. May God give you that because that's one of the reasons why we're here. The second purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world, to convict the world of three things, all right? God's sin, uh, of its sin, God's righteousness, and coming judgment, all right? It's to convict the world of its sin, God's judgment, I mean, God's righteousness and his coming judgment, all right? Let's look at verse, uh, chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Just look at that first, like verse 7. Jesus says it's better that I go away so that the spirit can come. I mean, that's kind of crazy when you think about that. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I thought about this. I thought that if Jesus is here physically today with me, I think I would be a better Christian. Do you ever think that? Do you ever think that if you were alive during the first century and you were part of the 12 and you lived with Jesus for three years, do you think you'd be a better Christian? I do. I used to think that. But you know, this passage, Jesus says, no, no. You see, why does Jesus say it's better for him to go and be with God? Because he says that you're not going to fully know who I am. You're not going to fully understand me and comprehend me of who I fully am until the Holy Spirit takes residence in your heart. The only way you and I can ever fully know God is actually through the Holy Spirit. So the good news for you and me is simply this. We have everything we need to get to know God fully now. You don't need to see Jesus Christ in the, in the flesh in order for you to get closer to him. You have everything you need because you've got the Holy Spirit living in you. And Jesus says to the disciple, that's why it's so much better that I leave. Because when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you're going to know me fully. You're going to truly know me fully. And he says, now the Holy Spirit's purpose is to convict the world of three things. The first thing is of its sin. The first one is the sin. Verse 9, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. The sin of the world is the sin to refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to convict the world of this sin, not so people can feel bad about themselves. No, it's so that we can, they can feel convicted of their sins so they can come and turn to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It's so that they can be convicted of their sin, not so they can feel condemned, but so that they can now turn to a God who will forgive them of that sin. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful reality here. And what Jesus wants you and I to see is that your friends, your coworkers, your family members who don't know Jesus Christ, the cool thing about this is this. 
the Holy Spirit's already at work in their lives because his purpose is to convict them of their sin. And so when you think about going to someone and you think about maybe testifying about who Jesus Christ is, just take this comforting knowledge that Jesus is already working in their lives. The Holy Spirit is already convicting them of their sin, amen? And he wants to use you to help them to see that so that they can get to a place where they can surrender themselves to the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of his sin. The other one, the other purpose uh, is to convict the world of its righteousness. God's righteousness. To convict the world of it. This is a little confusing, so let's just go to verse 10. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. It's like, what do you mean by that, Jesus? Right? But the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of God's righteousness. Now, God's righteousness will never be seen by people. People can't witness it unless Jesus goes to be with the Lord. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit resides in us, people can be convicted of God's righteousness when they come in contact with God's righteousness that lives inside of you. You see, we're God's righteousness. He's tapped you and me in the shoulder, and we are the emblems of his righteousness. And the cool thing about this, and this is the cool thing, because the word righteousness is the word, it's the word justice. The kaiosune in the Greek can be translated as righteousness or justice. And the real amazing thing about this is this, that because Christ has died for you on the cross and died for me on the cross, we are righteous. We've been justified. And so when God sees us, the real cool thing about this is that he doesn't see necessarily what we do or what we don't do. That's not what he sees primarily. But when he sees you and me, you know what he sees? Righteousness. His righteousness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Amen? That should give you power and strength to realize that. You should never feel bad about going and approaching the throne of God. Because when God sees you, he sees the righteousness of God. And he wants the world to see and convict them of his righteousness. It is such a beautiful thing for us to see and to be used by God in that way. I, I, came, I was in California about a week and a half ago. And I stayed with David Hosang. Pastor David Hosang ministered here at Metro for about eight and a half years in New Jersey. When I landed and I drove down to Orange County, he lives in Tustin and it's right by Irvine and it's, it's, it's beautiful. I stayed there five days and I'm going to tell you, I did not see one cloud in five days. It's paradise, man. <laughs> Sunny every day, don't ever have to worry about rain. It's always in the 70s or the 60s, mid-60s, 70s. No humidity. And I'm just driving, and I'm like, this place is so beautiful. And I just, and I was with my friend, uh, we're, doing a, we're doing a video for the 20th year anniversary. And so the director that I, that's doing the film for us, uh, he's not a Christian. And he stayed with us at David's house. And so we were eating dinner, and I just said, I said to David and Ben, I just said, thank you so much. Thank you that you gave all this up. Thank you that you left paradise and lived in New Jersey for eight and a half years. <laughs> I mean, it's a sacrifice, man. My, I mean, thank God it's sunny now, but I mean, in the wintertime, there's, there's clouds. It's, it's hard to be in this area. And I just kept driving thinking, oh, my God, they sacrificed so much. They gave up all this, and they lived it for eight and a half years. And you don't know, Betty has arthritis, really strong. And in the wintertime, you have no idea how much pain she was in here for eight and a half years. She struggled. And so I just thought it might be a good opportunity to ask why because, you know, my friend Bob was here. And so I said, you know, but why? I was like, David, why did you do that? Why did you and Betty decide to come and, 
and sacrifice, and you lived in paradise. Why did you come to live in New Jersey for eight and a half years? No offense if you love New Jersey, all right? And he said this. He said, because at the end of the day, it's not about being safe, and life is not about living in paradise. He said, life is about testifying about who Jesus Christ is. And I knew that moving to Jersey would be uncomfortable, but I also knew it was the place where God wanted Betty and I to share about who Jesus Christ is. Man, I, I, I connected with God's righteousness in David and Betty. Just connecting and being convicted of God's righteousness through their lives, it does something to you. And I already believe in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what would happen if the people at your jobs and your family members who don't, need Jesus Christ, don't know Jesus Christ encounters God's righteousness through you? How amazing that would be. Do you know how much they are longing to encounter God's righteousness through you? And it's not about what you do or what you don't do. It already lives within you because the Holy Spirit resides in your heart. And there are people out there that long to be convicted of God's righteousness, but they're not going to be convicted of it if you and I are not willing to share it and live it. Testifying about Jesus is more than what you say. It's about how you live your life day to day, and they can see how you live your life. Because David never said, man, look at this. I'm giving up Southern California for this place. He doesn't flaunt his righteousness. It's about how he lived it. And when you live it and people come in contact with it, it will do something for you. It really will. All right? purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of God's righteousness. And the last part of conviction of the world is God's coming judgment. That's the third thing. Right? The God's coming judgment. Verse 11, judgment will come because, of, because the ruler of this world has already been judged. What does that mean? What that simply means is this, Satan no longer, ha no longer has dominion over this world. That's what it means. So what, what is Jesus trying to say here? He's saying that you and I, the Holy Spirit, is to convict the world of the coming judgment. What that means is simply this, Satan no longer has the power in this world anymore. He no longer has power over anyone's life the way he used to because Jesus Christ has come and died for us from the cross, resurrected from the dead, and death has lost its sting. And because of that, because death has lost this thing, when people are suffering from death-like situations in their lives, regardless of what it might be, you and I as Christians can stand and say, no longer does it have power over your life, regardless of the outcome, because death has lost its sting. That's the power. It's that we are to convict people of that. That you don't have to look at that sin or whatever that darkness is in your life and think that that's your God because we idolize pain and suffering. We don't have to do that anymore. And you can let people know that you don't have to do that anymore because there's a God who loves them, a God who will forgive them if they repent. That's the most beautiful thing. Now, Satan does have power. He does have power, but he doesn't have dominion anymore. What is some of his power? Look at Ephesians chapter 2, 3. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So the only power that Satan has over us is to convince us to disobey God. Sometimes, right? That's it. That's his power. His power is to convince you through his lies that living a life in sin is better than living a life with God. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with that on the daily. Okay? I do. 
But I have come to the realization that it's better to live my life in obedience than it is to live my life in sin. Although sometimes I do sin. And it's the reality of just life. We're not perfect. But the power is this, to let the devil know, you can't make me believe that that sin is the way to life. That's the difference. But for some of us in this room, you believe sin is the way to your life. You have believed in a lie to actually you think this lie is true. How many times do we do that? We think money, success, fame, sex, whatever it might be, we think it's the pathway to life, but it's not. Jesus is the only pathway to life. And he gives us a way out. He gives us a way out. Because when you and I fall, like when I fall, we just have to repent. And Jesus forgives us. That's why death has lost his thing. That's why Satan has lost his power. Because even when we do sin, even when we do disobey, if we repent, we're forgiven. And we can go to God and we can continue to live our life in righteousness with him. Because our righteousness is not determined by what we do, what we don't do. It's determined by what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And we are forgiven when we repent of our sins. That's the good news, man. That is the good news. That he wants you and I to do. And repentance, I want to encourage you, the best way in how you and I repent is actually to confess it to somebody else who is a Christian. I call these people soulmates. If you've been new to this church over the last couple of months, I haven't really said much about soulmates. But soulmates is somebody from the same sex that is Christian that you mutually share the darkest theories to your humanity. And I'm telling you right now, if you only confess your sins to you and God and just to yourself, then guess what? You're living a life where you're not really confessing your sins in the way of repentance and how God would want you to. James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When you and I confess our sins to one another, we will be healed. That's why we do it. We will be healed. There is no condemnation. There is no judgment for those who repent like this. Can I encourage you to do that? To think that through this year? That if you really want the spirit to be fully active in your life, you got to confess. Listen, um, there was a couple points in my life where my soul almost rotted. Really. The first five years of this church when I started it, I started it because God was calling me to do it. But then it got too much about me. And if I didn't have my soulmate, if I didn't confess my sins to this person regularly, my soul would have rotted. What do I mean by that? That means just you can see me being this man of God up here, but privately I'm a completely different person. My soulmate saved me from my soul being rotted. In 2015 when my father passed away, it was tough. But simultaneously during that, we also focused on how important uh, racial justice was and how central it was to the gospel message. That was really tough. We lost quite a bit of people. And uh, it was two years, two years of darkness that I had to go through. My soul would have rotted if it wasn't for my soulmates. Because I was faced with so many different types of things that was pulling me away. Satan was trying to help me to believe that these lies were true in my life. My soul would have rotted, but it didn't because I had my soulmates. I hope God gets to use you to convict the world of this coming judgment, to say that Satan no longer has that kind of power over you, but it can't if he does. Confess. I guarantee it will change your life. And, you know, psychiatrists say this. It's not God, but, of course, God knows this. 
But a lot of us, you don't do it because you live in shame and you don't want to be judged. And I get it because I used to do the same thing. But psychiatrists say the only way you and I are going to ever get over shame is when we can become vulnerable with each other. And it's really an opportunity for us to grow. Repentance is the greatest, one of the greatest gifts that Jesus has given to us as Christians because when we fall and disobey God, we have to ask God to forgive us. We repent. He'll forgive us, and we get to keep moving forward. And God continues to see righteousness in us. It's a beautiful thing. And I hope that you would really take that to heart today and that you would really be serious about confessing your sins to someone. It will change your life. All right? The last purpose of the Holy Spirit is to speak Jesus' truth to us. The last purpose is for Jesus to speak his truth into your life and into my life. Look at verse 12. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will let you do, uh, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Now the word truth is not about being right. The word truth, when you look at this in the original language, is synonymous to this phrase living water. So when Jesus speaks his truth to you, you know what's happening? You're drinking his living water. And that's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's why one of his I am statements, he says, I am the living water. Drink from me and you'll never thirst again. It's critically important. And so when Jesus Christ has given us the Holy Spirit, the first two is about some of the things that he wants us to do in concert with the Holy Spirit. But this one is simply this. This is why we end with this. He wants, he wants you to live out the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He wants the, purpose, he wants the Holy Spirit to have its purpose lived out in your life so that you and I can drink his living water. Isn't that so amazing? And he says that when Jesus speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, he says, I am being glorified. Glory literally means a manifestation of God. That's what it means. And Jesus says that when, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, the words that I'm giving him, the truth that I'm giving him, I will be glorified. And he wants to do that for you and me today. And then the other cool thing that he says, he says, and the Holy Spirit will also speak to you about your future. I think that's so cool. Because if I'm really honest, a lot of you believe, I think, in what the enemy wants you to believe. Don't entrust your future to Jesus because if you do, you're going to go somewhere like in the Middle East. <laughs> that, that you really believe, you really believe deep down in your heart that if you become all sold out for God and you do whatever he, like, he tells you to do, if you let him reveal the future that he has for you, some of you actually believe that you're going to live a reduced life. That it's not going to be the life that you really want to live. See, that's a lie that the enemy has told you because Jesus says, I will show you the truth of your future. And again, that truth is this. When you live out the future that God has planned for you, it's going to be drinking his living water. And my hope is that you would deeply evolve Jesus into your future. And you would know that, yeah, there's going to be a sacrifice. It wouldn't be good if, it, if sacrifice wasn't required. Anything good requires sacrifice but that you would, and that you would be able to drink of God's living water in your life as you pursue Jesus in that way. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to guide Christians to testify about Jesus. It's to convict the world of its sin, God's righteousness and coming judgment, and it's to speak Jesus' truth into our lives. That's the purpose.
And if you agree with that, and if you believe in that with your heart, then may you have passion for the Holy Spirit, the third person that God had in your life. And so as we celebrate our 20th year anniversary on April 5th, I do hope that all of you would come. Um, it's going to be at Biagio's in Paramus, and uh, we've subsidized the cost of it. Uh, but it's going to be a great time just for us to remember the past 20 years. But more than that, um, I'm excited about kind of, you know, um, I'm excited for you to see this little video we're doing. It's not a recap, but it's really a, a documentary on 20 years of embracing weakness, what 20 years of embracing weakness looks like. Um, but in this 20th year, I mean, I'm more excited about the future of our church than I was when we first started. And, and, this, and the reason why I am is because if the Holy Spirit, if, if we do the theme, if we live out the theme of this year, the Holy Spirit, there's going to be things that happens in this church that's going to be literally amazing. And I want to challenge you with that. And so the reason why the Holy Spirit is the theme this year, I have a dream. I, you know, we just celebrated Martin Luther King, but I have a dream for us in 2024. I dream that we would be a church where we honestly would feel the throb of God's heart for the lost. I dream of that. I dream that your hearts would really hurt, that you would be able to feel how much God's, God's heart hurts for people in your life that don't know Jesus Christ. Man, I dream that would happen because if that happens, God is going to use you in some way to be a conduit where he's going to use you to impact their lives. I dream about that. But it's not going to happen without the Holy Spirit. I dream that we'd become a church where we would begin to love each other in a way that is far deeper than how the world loves each other. I dream about that. Because when that happens, you know what's going to happen? Because in any relationship, you will hurt each other. Sometimes we like, man, give the church some slack, man. Like you think the church is supposed to be a place where you shouldn't get hurt. Like you're not going to get hurt. Everyone's supposed to love you perfectly. That's impossible. We're so messed up. This church is dysfunctional, and we know it because it's full of people who is dysfunctional. But what I'm hoping is that when we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and we live that out this year, that we would see beyond the hurt and we still be able to see the people the way God sees them. And that we would be able to forgive them, that we would be able to see them and not judge them so much and, de and, and demonize them and try to create division in this church and get other people to join you to disagree or to be angry with those, those people. That's my hope. And my dream is that we would see each other and value the color of our skin. And to say, I want to know you more because God created you with that color, with that hue. And I lived my entire life never really knowing much about who you are and your people. But I really would love to learn more and connect more. I think God will transform your life when that happens. I dream that we'd be a church that would really, really get amped up when we see injustice happening. In the church, out of the church, in this world. And when we see injustice happen, then we're not going to just sit idle, but that we'll stand up and that we'll fight for the least, the last, and the lost. I dream about that. Dr. Martin Luther King, we celebrated him this past Monday. We did a joint worship at the church at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Englewood. And he says injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. That we would do that. My dream for us this year is that you would actually believe that God could use you to demonstrate his power. That you would lay hands on some people and pray for their healing, whether it be physical, emotional, whatever it might be. But that you would say, you know what? Because the spirit lives inside of me, part of me is not just declaring the truth of who God is, but it's to demonstrate his power. 
And that rather than bringing them to like a pastor or her to a pastor, that you would say, can I lay my hands and pray for you? And you would pray because you believe the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and that God will use you to impact their lives. Oh, man, that's just a beautiful picture of the church. My dream this year is that because the Holy Spirit is so loud in your life, it's such a big part of your life, you would realize that there's no way you can ever have a good, prosperous future without him, that you would believe that in your heart. And my last thing, and then I'm done, that you would believe because the Holy Spirit lives in your heart that life with Jesus is better than anything else this world has to offer. And then when you believe that, that you would begin to live it. Because Metro, it is. There's nothing in this world that can come close to the love, presence, grace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what are you going to do? Are you going to allow the purpose of the Holy Spirit to be fully activated in your life? Will you let God use you to testify about Jesus? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to use you to convict the world of its sin, God's righteousness and coming judgment? And will you let the Holy Spirit speak Jesus' truth into your life so that you can drink from the fountain of living water and never thirst again? Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come right now in this room. And Holy Spirit, for those in this room that believe in you, if they're willing, I pray that you would take a greater role in their lives right now. In the first service, I I heard this phrase from God, and I'm going to say it for the second service, because I don't hear another phrase. I still hear this phrase. And the phrase is this. No more games. No more games. And what do I mean by that? What does God mean by that? No more putting half of yourself into this world and half of yourself into the kingdom of God. No more splitting your attention and your desires and your time and your passion. But would you give yourself fully to Jesus? so that the Holy Spirit could take full residence in your life and be fully active and play a macro role in your life. If you want to do that, can you just pray right now and say, Holy Spirit, would you please take a macro role in my life and I will never, from this moment on, I will not play any more games. No more. I'm just going to trust and live my life for you fully. God, for those who pray that prayer, I just pray that you would fall afresh upon them I pray that you would move in their lives. I pray for those in this room, God, who don't even want to pray a prayer like that and think I'm crazy to even insinuate such a prayer. God, I pray for the joy of their salvation would rise up this year. I pray that the joy of their salvation would take over their lives one day this year and that your spirit would surprise them in such a way that they would surrender their lives to you fully. And for those who've given themselves to you, and want to encounter you in deeper ways, want to testify about you, want to be used so that we can convict the world of its sin, your righteousness 
the coming judgment and to drink from your living water, which is your truth. Lord, I pray that you'll just really bless them and be upon them and watch over them and do the work that you want to do in their lives. Guide our church, Lord, as we strive to live our lives this year for the Holy Spirit. And I pray that um, we would have such an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so guide us. Thank you, God, so much for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.